Welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. I imagine that most of our listeners have probably heard by this point that results were actually released from Finland's basic income trial. And while we know there are results out there, it's actually been a bit challenging to really understand what those results said and what are the implications of, of what's come out. So we thought it would be good to take an episode to actually really dive in here to understand what the results were and then to think about what they mean. So I got to speak with one of the lead researchers on the Finland Basic Income Trial. So here's my conversation with Mina Yulikana, who's a senior researcher at Kella. Mina, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. So to start, could you just give us a quick summary of the results from the Finland Basic Income Trial? Sure. Based on uh, the register data analysis from the first year of the experiment, there uh, we didn't observe any effect on, on employment. There was no difference between those who received basic income um, compared to the control group when it comes to, to the days of um, labor or work per year. Uh, this um, uh, concerns the first year of the experiment. Um, but when it comes to the survey results, um, we made a form survey last year. Uh, we observe um, some differences, significant differences um, between uh, the experiment group or the t- test group and the control group when it comes to, for example, satisfaction with life or trust. So in overall, those who received basic income felt their uh, well-being, it was on a better, better level than in the control group. They um, trusted more uh, other people and um, had more confidence in the future. They had better health, mental health, and and, um, and felt better in, in all the aspects of well-being that we measured. Yeah, and I, I want to take those two pieces one at a time, the employment piece and the well-being part. So, First of all, why do you think there was no real effect on employment rates? Uh, one explanation can be that um, those who were in the experiment and received basic income were mostly uh, long-term unemployed. In Finland, you can receive earnings-related ben- uh, unemployment benefits for about four, five hundred days, and after that, you will receive the flat-rate unemployment benefit from Kela. And those who uh, were selected to the experiment received this flat rate unemployment benefit. And uh, it means that either you've never been, um, or you're not a member of an unemployment fund, or you've been um, unemployed for about two years. So it may be that for those people who received basic income, it's um, it's it's not the easiest group of people to, to find a new job. And uh, to, at one year, we've, we now observed only one year, it's a very short time to kind of see any kind of change in the in the labor market behavior. Uh, so there are probably some structural issues or, or some kind of issues that are keeping these people out of the workforce that uh, you know go beyond just the work disincentive around um, around the traditional employment unemployment system. Um, could be, yeah, there was um, quite a good incentive, financial incentive, like 560 euros. You can keep it when you work. It, it's a very good incentive. But these people, um, uh, not all, of course, some, some are short-term unemployed, but quite many of them are long-term unemployed. And um, if you think of 
kind of employers we employ people and think of one job um, many hundreds of people competing of one job the the one who's been unemployed like for two years is perhaps not the first one to get the job so it's it's this could be one explanation. Of course, there can be other explanations also, what we're going to analyze then in our kind of next steps when, when we go further with the, with the research. Yeah, I do want to ask you about those next steps at some point. But I want to jump into the, uh, the subjective well-being end of it and the fact that there wasn't really much of a, an effect or no real effect on employment rates makes it all the more interesting to me that there was a pretty significant effect on how people felt about themselves and, and their lives. And, and you mentioned some effects, uh, but I noticed that people also had more trust in politicians. They felt like they had a, a better ability to concentrate the people who were getting unconditional cash as opposed to traditional unemployment benefits. And, and you know, self-perceived health, you mentioned. Why do you think there was such a, a noticeable effect here? Well, we know from um, earlier experiments in other countries, we know that um, first, we probably should expect um, well-being, effects on well-being, positive effects on well-being when, when people receive unconditional basic income and uh, then later perhaps some, some um, effects on employment. Um, we must, of course, remember that only about 30% of those who got uh, basic income answered uh, the survey and um, only 20% 20, 20 of those who didn't receive basic income. So um, in, in the average, uh, the response rate was about 25%. So it's one-fourth of all people that we tried to reach in the survey. And um, it may be that um, this group is somehow kind of biased in a way that um, those who benefited from the basic income have answered more kind of um, or have answered the phone for firstly. So uh, we're going to do um, kind of sensitive analysis and we have to check who are those who answered um, the survey and who did not answer and whether there are um, or what kind of differences are between these groups. We must uh, do more analysis of that too. Yeah, and actually I was wondering if there are any other reasons that we might be cautious about interpreting the results at this point. Uh, when it comes to the, to the richest uh, um, data, it's, it's, it's good. It's a very good data. Of course, it's just for the first year, so we must wait until uh, next spring, probably, that we are going to have uh, the whole data for two years. So um, we can't um, say anything conclusive before we have the whole data. When it comes to the survey, of course, uh, the response rate is very low. We can do some kind of um, statistical measures to to uh, correct the bias to a certain extent. And of course, we what we are going to do, we, can, we are going to link the survey data to the re register data. So that will help us to kind of combat some, some of these challenges that comes with bias. So then we can see who are actually those who answered the survey and who did not. So I think when we're going to have the final results in one year, they they can be quite, um, or they are re reliable uh, results, and we can do some conclusions based on these results. And of course, we are still doing a interview uh, study in this spring. Um, so I think this will 
also kind of enlighten certain things that still are kind of question marks after the after the survey. Mm-hmm. And so, just to clarify, you you've collected this data from one year into the study, but the study ran two years, and so there's going to be another round of data collection. Is that right? Uh, when it comes to the survey, we we did it. Uh, we did phone survey last year in November, December, and we asked people, of course, uh, um, about their subjective well-being concern with the whole two years, the whole experiment. Um, but when it comes to to the registers, the register data, we we don't have the registers for the 2018 because it always takes time uh, for the authorities to make them kind of uh, ready to be analyzed. And we must collect them. And um, and until now, we only have the register data for the first experiment year uh, for the year 2017. So we must wait until I uh, probably till September, October, before we have uh, register data for the whole two years. Uh, but the survey, um, that's perhaps we're going to do another survey that would be really interesting to to ask people about their subjective well-being after one year or after five years. And I, I think we're going to follow these people also by uh, with the register data also uh, for a long time. But at the time being, we have now one survey data. We're going to do an interview study, and then we have the register data uh, now for the first year. And in um, probably in the autumn, we're going to have the second year data for that. And so... When you have more data, will you be asking all the same sorts of questions or will there be additional ones that you're curious in exploring? If we are going to do another survey, that's a big if, of course, because the response rates are really low and it's it's, uh, it's always a question whether it's worth it. It's not um, very cheap to, to collect a survey data and if, if only 30% of the people answer it, it may not be worth it. Um, but if we do another survey, I think... Um, there are some questions we most certainly will um, ask again, but probably there are also some questions that we've now kind of missed when we did the first um, survey and when, what could be interesting to ask. But it, it of course, we, because we're making the interview study um, and doing interviews this spring, uh, some questions we can ask people that we kind of um, couldn't put into the survey uh, we can ask people in these interviews. Of course, it's 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 a qualitative study and only about fifty people. But um, anyway, we can ask certain things also in these interviews. So, what's the reaction been like in Finland? Do people see the program as a success? I think the experiment was a, a success. It, uh, the idea to experiment this kind of um, um, something that's not being done in kind of nationally um, based on a, a law for an experiment. It's, it's something new. It's, it's, I think it's in a way very innovative to experiment something when we are more or less forced to to uh, reform our social security system. We must think um, a new ways to deliver well-being for people. And I think to experiment this kind of uh, unconditional kind of model of social security is, is really interesting and really innovative, and, and I think we get a very good information of um, how it how it affects how it affects people if we deliver uh, some unconditional money, right? Basic income is well. Perhaps some could say that it's not it has not success because there was no effect on employment for the first year. Of course, we still don't know whether there is effect on the on the second year or the whole. Experimental period, 
Uh, I think it depends who you ask. <laughs> if you ask a researcher like me, I would say that it wasn't success because we could we could plan and we could implement it. Of course, it wasn't implemented as the researchers kind of planned it. Um, the experiment the researchers planned was a little bit different. It was um, it included more people and and different kind of population groups, but it was implemented and it, now it's been analyzed and I think it's a success in itself. Okay, great. The last thing I wanted to ask you is if there are any policy recommendations you think come out of this survey that either are bolstered by the survey or that are that the survey kind of helps us, us think about uh, for the first time. I mean, based on both results from the register-based data and the survey, I think what I would recommend is to think really carefully what motivates people to look for jobs, search for a job and um, find find a job because finding a job is not very easy um, even for those who are in work and um, then again uh, as a social politician I would say that of course people have to uh, feel well they have to be fit for, for work before they can even search for a job and I, I think that's sometimes forgotten when we when we try to increase the labor supply we sometimes I think um, not just the politicians, but um, in general, we forget that there are a lot of people who um, need uh, different kind of health and social services before even um, to be able to search for a job. So I think um, this, what this, um, these results kind of tell us is that uh, unemployment is it's it's not a problem of not supplying labor enough. It's it's a, it's a problem that needs to be kind of scrutinized very carefully when it comes to different kind of health problems and, and social problems. And, and when we reform our social security system and want to increase labor supply, um, it's just not about financial incentives. It's about, I think, more or less about well-being. That was Owen and Mina Yulikana on the Basic Income Podcast. So. A big takeaway for me from that conversation is it really demonstrated why experiments around basic income are actually quite tricky. And it's because of the, whatever you find, depending on who sees the results, you end up with very, very different interpretations. And this is something we've talked about in the past, I, I think maybe even specifically in the context of, of the Finland basic income pilot. but. There really does seem to be a, a sort of Rorschach test here. Uh, and I think particularly because on one hand, you could, if you're looking at employment, you could very much say the Finland basic income trial failed. Because their original thesis, the publicly talked about thesis of this particular pilot was, we want to use this as a way of increasing employment in Finland. And so if that was the thing that you were testing for and the thing that you were using as your sole outcome, this didn't do it. There wasn't more employment, at least in these early results. But on the other hand, we see all these other things that occur that seem really promising. And, and the types of things that basic income advocates very much want to see here and think that could have pretty profound impacts in the longer term. And so I think that there is, it, it's, I don't know that there's any easy answers here. It just seems like this, this is very much highlighting this, this challenge that does come up in these situations. Yeah, certainly if basic income is an idea that rubs you the wrong way, or you're looking for reasons to dislike it, 
you can easily you know put some points in your favor here that yeah they they wanted to see if people would be more inclined to be employed at the end of it and so far from one year of data we have not seen that um, and but yeah on the other hand there is a lot of like you said promising results here and in the direction that when I first started getting interested in basic income I wasn't overly concerned with the psychological effects of it I, I felt like things like ending poverty just sort of spoke for themselves and that you didn't need to get into that stuff but the more I, I look into it and the more you start to see the effects of precarity in the world around you, the more you can see that those effects are really real and they matter and that they make a huge difference in people's lives. And I think one thing that this experiment really did show is the effects of precarity, that when you remove a layer of uncertainty from people's lives, they can just breathe a little bit easier. And that has measurable effects on, on how they see the world and how they see themselves. Yeah, and we actually know, not, not from basic income trials, but from other research, that when people are sicker, when they're less healthy, that has a pretty massive social cost. And not just social in a woo-woo sense, like actually economic social cost, because when you as a society say, we want to take care of sick people, which all of us have to some degree, I, I think Finland more so than here, but even here, like if someone is injured or seriously ill, they go to the emergency room. If they can't pay for it, the government in some capacity ends up, up paying for it. And so if people are healthier, effectively we're saving money. There, there is a valuable economic aspect of that. Similarly, if people are feeling more empowered, if they're feeling less stressed, we also know from other research that that translates into better outcomes that again translate to improved economics. And so I, I think that this is, so much of the reaction has been, oh, they felt better, okay, whatever. That's like a nice hippie outcome. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's real impact to that. And, and I think that that's, that is a limitation of, of just a level of analysis and results that we've been able to look at because you do need to look in the longer term to be able to see that eventually translate out and, and figure out how much we're talking about. But I think that that's, it's an important thing that I, I, I think maybe we need to figure out how to communicate better if we do, if, if it ends up that those are some of the most obvious outcomes that can help bolster our case for why this is a good policy to pursue. Yeah, and the uh, the German group that is, is doing something similar where they're just reimbursing people's um, unemployment fees, they reported very similar stuff that in terms of employment, you don't see a big difference. In terms of cost, it's not that much, but people are just a lot happier. And I think you can add it to the larger case around basic income as an investment in people, the, where you get a positive return, that if you just invest upfront in people, that the results, both in physical and mental health and you know, everything else that we can, can go through our feeds to, to hear all the things that, that are good about it, um, that the result is that you get more out from the economy, from people, from saved costs in the long term, and that it's a worthwhile investment. And I think this is one point, the psychological effects, which, yeah, again, are hard to talk about, but it's nice to have some measurable data, some measured data uh, on that front. You know, they add to that picture. I don't think it's maybe the whole picture by itself. It's not enough, I don't think, but it's nice to have it in there as something we can point to. 
The other thing that I found really interesting and honestly had not realized at all before is that these are still preliminary results, that this is only looking at the first year. They haven't actually gotten the data from the second year yet, and that they are planning to do additional qualitative research through interviews with the recipients to better understand what all was going on there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely something we'll want to keep following and, and see how those follow-up results, what, what they show as well, because if, as we were just talking about, some of these initial findings suggest that maybe there's more dramatic changes over the long term. I mean, is two years long term? Hard to say, but maybe we'll start to see actually some, some larger implications from those just through this, this next phase of analysis. Yeah, it can be a little frustrating how long it takes to, to learn everything we want to learn. But, but yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on those results to see if anything changes. That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to a producer, Eric Davidson. Please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or the service of your choice. And please tell some friends to bring more people into this conversation. See you next week.